Hi, you're listening to the Lyric Writer's Workroom podcast. My name's Nick. When you write lyrics or do any kind of creative writing at all, it always comes home to this. The tip of your pen on a blank page or the tip of your finger on a keyboard key. Now, the physical tools of lyric writing are simple and they're relatively cheap, much more affordable than fancy guitars and other music equipment, but it's still worth spending a little bit of time and thought on your writing tools because if there's anything physically, even the tiniest bit annoying about getting the pen to make a mark or whatever, or even if your keyboard like has a key that sticks or something on it, this is like having a rock in your shoe. You're not gonna climb a mountain in that shoe, and if you do, your foot will pay for it. I've discovered over years of writing that the wrong notebook can make writing just a little more difficult than necessary. The correct writing tools for you are those that don't drag on the process at all. Ideally, either you like using the tools, or at least you don't actively dislike it, like they don't get in your way at all. They don't give you any mental blocks or anything like that. So let's admit first that you can write with any cheap notebook and a pencil. That's all you need, you can work with that. But in this episode, I'd like to take you on a quick tour of the tools that I use to write. And I'll admit it's gotten a little bit complicated. You know those, uh, the gearheads, right? If you've spent any time in a music studio or in some music shops, you've encountered at least one. You know, the people who want to corner you to talk about their rack mount processors and they want to talk to you about their vintage analog uh, tape recorders and their, uh, their highly specific model of Stratocaster that set them back probably more than a car costs, you know? The gearheads, the ones that have the time and the resources to just acquire lots and lots of gear. I'm not a high-end music gear person. I really just like putting words to music, and you can do that with most any equipment. In this episode, we're going to talk about writing gear, so prepare yourself for it to get nerdy. I'm going to be like the writing equivalent of one of those musical gearheads. So first, we'll talk about pens, we're going to talk about paper, we're going to talk about uh, computer keyboards, and we're going to talk about writing software. So let's talk about pens first. I used disposable plastic ballpoint pens for like decades, but I've since found that a fountain pen is much, much easier to write with. Fountain pens are especially great for songwriters because they write both lyrics and sheet music very fluidly. They're very fast, very accurate. They just swoop and glide across music stabs and notebook lines. I wish I could just like hand you my fountain pen to try for a second. I guess I'll have to just ask you to imagine it instead. Here, I'll describe. Okay, so the barrel of the fountain pen is brass. And it has a slight heft as you pick it up compared to a plastic pen. It feels pleasantly stout. It's a little wider, so it feels really like solid against your thumb. As you write, the nib glides really easily over the paper, leaving nice dark strokes behind with almost no effort. You can feel a little bit of the tooth, which is the texture of the paper, without having to bear down. It takes almost no pressure, almost no effort to write. As you write, your hands and wrists stay pretty relaxed, but the connection between pen and paper still feels like, for lack of a better word, it feels like close, feels like intimate, like you can, you can really feel that interaction of pen on paper. If you learn to write moving your shoulder instead of your wrist, you can actually write with a fountain pen for hours without getting tired, I've found. So that description is the closest I can come to letting you try out my pen. It's a very cheap fountain pen that was like $12, I think. It's a Pilot brand. Uh, I think the model is called Metropolitan. I think it's like MR. It sent me back like $12 and it takes refillable cartridges. It hasn't leaked. 
and I now own an extra one that I don't need, actually, because I'm, I'm simply paranoid that I'll lose my primary one. <laughs> I know you can write with anything, but I'll confess that I've become attached enough to the fountain pen that I do notice if I have to write with like a ballpoint that doesn't write very smoothly. So I would actually miss the fountain pen. It would actually be distracting for me if I had to go without it for a day. I often write like 10, sometimes 20 longhand pages per day. I type a lot on the keyboard, both you know for creative writing and for my day gigs. I play guitar. So all of this added up is quite a bit of fatigue on the wrist. So anything that saves me a little bit of wrist fatigue is worth it. So I found fountain pens really good for that. A year after buying my fountain pen, I still haven't lost it. So I bought that extra one for nothing. It's just sitting in the drawer, like just in case. It's like break glass in case of emergency. Now, if only I could manage to not lose guitar picks and capos and patch cables and stop leaving those behind at gigs, I would be in great shape. So now let's talk about paper. I carry a notebook. It's a spiral-bound dot grid notebook, which is also called a ghost grid. Um, some brands call it that. The dots keep my handwriting nice and level across the page, but they're easy to ignore if I doodle, so I can you know, draw diagrams and things. I could uh, even improvise sheet music, staffs, and things like that. I use a grid instead of horizontal lines because on a grid, it's, it's so much more versatile. You can draw like guitar chord diagrams. You could sketch out piano keys. You could draw the guitar fretboard. You can even make like minimal sheet music staffs, as I mentioned, which I actually wrote an article about a while back. I'll link to that in the show notes. Fancy hardback journals are nice to look at. They're a trap. I'm not the only one who thinks so. Uh, Natalie Goldberg warns against fancy notebooks in her classic writing text, which is called Writing Down the Bones. I'll also link to that in the show notes. Fancy journals may be fun to buy and fun to keep around, fun to look at, fun to handle, but... When you actually write, their spines don't lie flat. A fancy hardback journal is too precious also. You know, if the thing doesn't stay shut on its own while I have the guitar in my lap, if I can't prop it open on a table easily, it's not gonna work. If I can't leave it on the piano and it won't keep itself open, uh, it's not gonna work. Fancy hardback journals, they're expensive. If you're like me, you're gonna be tempted also to live up to that hardcover, to that extra expense, to that stitched binding. In a notebook like that, you might hesitate to set down your most honest, raw thoughts. And also, you might hesitate to make experiments that might not go so well. And that's what you need in a notebook. You need something that's going to be there for you through your worst writing, because we do a lot of mediocre writing as writers. That's how you get to the good stuff. You be patient and you slug it out. In a fancy notebook, you may find you only want to write stuff that's good in it. And that sense of pressure, even though that might seem subtle, could be enough to cause you to hesitate. And I've learned over the years that anything that causes me to hesitate to write, even if it's just a moment's hesitation, can derail my whole daily writing habit. I'm a little embarrassed to say that that's all it takes to take me off the tracks, but that's true. Anything that tests my discipline just that little bit extra is dangerous for me. So if I'm tempted just one step off the path, I know I will just continue thrashing through the underbrush into the dark where the thorns scratch and the wolves howl and I don't get any writing done. 
Forgive me for saying so, but you're not buying a notebook to fondle and fetishize. You're buying a notebook to do writing practice. You probably don't want a notebook to be fancy and imposing. You don't want it to be pretty. You want it to be simple and friendly and approachable. You're going to fill it with writing, some good, most of it forgettable, so you should feel at home scribbling like an unchained animal in it. You should feel at home making a mess. You should feel comfortable striking lines out and rephrasing things over and over in search of the right words. Your notebook is a workshop. Most workshops are a mess. Paper is basically sawdust after all. Good paper will take a mark well without the mark bleeding through to the other side. That's all it takes. It'll lie down flat on a table or on your lap without blocking the movement of your hand as you write from left to right. Loose leaf paper is fine. A spiral bound notebook is fine. You might try graph paper, blank, college ruled, wide ruled. You might even try a big spiral bound sketchbook. Um, I think the dot grid is good. Cause like I said, it's so flexible. It doesn't impose any artificial structure on the page. So like lined paper, like the normal ruled kind, college or wide can be difficult to write tablature on. It can be difficult to write chord diagrams on because the lines overlay whatever you're doing and can make it hard to read. So I like a page that kind of looks blank from a slight distance, but when you get in close to write on it, you see this grid of dots that just kind of guides your hand. So you can write pretty straight lines if you've got a steady hand um, without even a ruler really. So that's great for like sketching out chord diagrams really fast, imposing your own structure on the page rather than having the paper dictate what you do. So the only thing about Docrid notebooks that I don't like is that they're unusually expensive. I actually sometimes just use five-star graph paper for especially messy, like, loose-leaf writing. The graph lines on five-star paper aren't too dark, which is good, and it takes fountain pen ink well, which is also good. The thing about five-star pages that drives me nuts is that they stamp their branding onto every individual page. Oh, God. So I would switch in a second if I came across a graph loose-leaf brand that doesn't stamp its brand name on every page. It's not a big deal with the five-star paper because I only use one side of it on every sheet, and, uh, and the, the branding is on the opposite side. So the branding is only on one side. I flip it over and use the other one because I just don't like looking at it. It's just, it feels like an intrusion, you know? Five Star, would you like to come to my house and like spray paint your logo onto my wall too? <laughs> come on. <laughs> would you like me to do that on my guitar? So it's a lot, but you know, it doesn't matter. These are like, like I said, workshop pages. So I'm going to scribble on them. I'm going to throw them away once I take away the good bits. So now a word about small portable places to capture thoughts. Small notebooks and capture devices are helpful. Thoughts, lyric ideas, melody ideas, big insights into an individual song or into the craft of songwriting can come to you at any time. You can hear a song playing at a store or from an open car window and it triggers a thought about songwriting or it triggers an idea for something that you could write about yourself. Make sure you get those thoughts down fast and that's a discipline because it's always tempting to think, you know, oh, I'll remember or, oh, I'll just do the dishes before I write this down or whatever. Or I'll, I'm telling you, like, shake the water off your hands and write it down. You'll be glad you did because these little ideas, they come and go super fast. Get in the habit of firing from the hip and getting these thoughts down. It would be really easy to have an excellent idea for a song and completely forget it. I'm sure you've done that before. I've done that many, many times and I kick myself for it every time. So voice recorders and video camera functions on smartphones are really quick, easy ways to record your ideas. 
I also find that if I record an audio file or a video to the phone, it's really important that I also leave a post-it note or something in my environment that just tells me to go back and look at it later. Otherwise, it just rots on a hard drive. I also carry a small note-taker wallet with a pad of paper inside and a small cheap pen. I try to be disciplined and I try to clean this wallet out every day and move the valuable notes into my main notebook or into the computer. Sometimes I fall back and kind of let it get full and do it like once a week instead, but I try to do it daily. Now the pen that I carry with this little note taker wallet is small and it's cheap because if I squeezed my fountain pen into my tight jeans pocket, I predict the cap would pop off, the ink would soak through the front of my jeans and the nib would like scratch up my abdomen, leaving me with these like jailhouse cat scratch tattoos that would probably never go away. I'd probably basically tattoo myself with it. Not the best to carry a fountain pen with you in your pocket, don't do that. Worse yet, that fountain pen that I like to write with when I'm sitting down somewhere could work its way out of my pocket with each step, fall out the top of my pocket and bounce down a storm drain. So for my road ready, like little take anywhere writing kit, I just stick with a simple note taker wallet and a cheap little pen that will not crowd my pockets or scratch up my hip bone. I love that fountain pen, but if I have to write a sentence or two with a cheap ballpoint, I guess I can manage it. So when I come home, I just tear off the little sheets from the wallet and I paste them into a larger notebook. Or I make a note in my main notebook about whatever videos I recorded, what time, and I write a few words of, that will remind me later what the piece was about, what it felt like. If, I, if it was a chord progression, I might say, well, it sounds kind of bright and summertimey or it sounds sort of sad or moody, or if I know it's in a particular scale, I'll write that down. Any details that help me remember what I recorded for reference. Speaking of digital devices, let's talk about writing on computers. I prefer not to write on computers when I'm writing lyrics. And that's because writing a rough draft of a song really calls for either a lot of focus or a lot of spacing out. And I can't really do either one of those things on a computer. Focusing is difficult because when you're writing something on a computer and you reach any little point of frustration or boredom or uncertainty, there are distractions like two clicks away. And those distractions are so good. The cat videos are so good. Facebook has full-time psychologists on staff. Their job is just to think of ways to get you onto the website and just to keep you there as long as possible. Websites that you enjoy reading, like their job is to come up with headlines that are going to draw you in and get you to read things, even if you normally wouldn't care about them. I found I have to just step away from the computer in the early drafts of writing to be able to really focus. And also to be able to space out properly. I need to work with a notebook because any moment in a, writing a lyric or writing a song that where I'm not exactly sure what the next step is, where I'm not exactly sure how to solve whatever the song needs next, I'm going to be tempted to click away. And what I should be doing is just sitting there with the lyric and the music and just thinking through the problem or daydreaming about different things I could do with the song to move it forward. If I'm on the computer, again, I'm going to go toward those distractions. So it's hard to focus on the computer. It's hard to space out on the computer. You're not properly spacing out usually if you're poking around on a social media website or whatever. So 
with that said, I do eventually have to type up lyric sheets. I do have to record song demos on the computer so that I can post them for others to hear. And of course, I have to write posts for the Lyric Writer's Workroom, and I have to write outlines for these podcast episodes, which I never use anyway. I just kind of spend hours writing the outline and writing ideas and then just pitching it all out the window when I hit record, but whatever. And listen, this is not because I think that handwriting is the best method ever. And it's not that I hate technology. I mean, look, I'm podcasting, right? Like, of course, I use technology and love it. It's just that I know myself and I know what distracts me and all those things are magnified tenfold on computers and smartphones and things like that. They really, they really distract me, but they're valuable tools. And when I'm doing creative writing of some kind on the computer, like let's say I'm just poking around with some fiction or whatever, which I occasionally do, nothing worth publishing, uh, on my desktop PC, I, well, first of all, I use a desktop PC because I don't like the like unnatural hunched posture that laptops force you into if you want to be able to see the screen and type at the same time. So I use a desktop model PC and I use a specialized type of computer keyboard that has different specialized types of switches in it. These are called Cherry MX Blue mechanical switches. They're spring-loaded and this keyboard is my digital fountain pen. There are people who romanticize fountain pens. They just collect them and just love them as objects. And there are actually people who feel that way about keyboards too. There's a whole world. Uh, there's almost like a hot rod kind of sensibility among some computer keyboard enthusiasts. I'm not kidding. I'll link you to some videos and articles in the show notes and you can see it for yourself. I would be one of those keyboard collectors if I had the coin and the spare time and the space to keep those keyboards. But I chose to become like a poet in life, <laughs> like a lyricist. So I need that money for paperbacks and jazz LPs and food. Most keyboards are the membrane type, meaning that the keys on the keyboard have kind of a squishy feel when you press them down to type a letter. You can definitely write on those. There's nothing wrong with them at all. Any keyboard that's not like missing keys or has sticky keys or if it's not clotted with dried coffee, it's fine. It'll work. When I say rubber membrane keyboard, what I mean is that if you were to crack the keyboard's case open, beneath the physical plastic keys, you would find a plastic membrane or a rubber dome, but usually both. These are inexpensive components and they work. Most keyboards you'll find on home or office PCs have this kind of construction. And yeah, they have a bit of a squishy, spongy feeling when you type on them. Mechanical switch keyboards are more expensive, but they have a really satisfying clickety-clack sound that you can hear and you can feel it beneath your fingertips. The, the switches have a feel when you press the keys down. Now my keyboard is Corsair brand. It's called the Strafe. It's a Corsair Strafe. And it was marketed by the manufacturer to be a gaming keyboard. So it's even got little LED lights that glow red beneath the keys and illuminate the letters. It's a little goofy, but whatever, leave me alone. This means I can like just clickety-clack away at my lyric writing practice in the dark before dawn without turning a light on if I want to. I've owned two different Corsair keyboards over the years. Each one had different types of mechanical key switches, so the keys had different feels on both ones. Both models I've owned have been very well built. They look like normal keyboards, but nicer. They don't look goofy like some of the keyboards that are marketed to gamers do. 
And the keys on these Corsair keyboards are frameless, which just means that they stand up out of the keyboard instead of being set down into the frame. This means it's really easy to clean between and beneath the keys so it doesn't get filthy as keyboards tend to get. I got this mechanical keyboard about a year ago and I still notice that it feels good to type on sometimes. Sometimes I'm just typing and I'm like, oh, that feels really good. So although the mechanical switches were designed Actually, for writers and typists originally, they really did find an audience with video gamers because the keys are very responsive and well-built, so computer gamers really caught on to these mechanical keyboards that were originally for typists. And that's really good news for anybody that types a lot or writes fiction or anything like that, does creative writing on a computer of any kind, because that means these mechanical keyboards are not specialty items so much anymore. They're like mass-produced. So you can find them in electronic stores. It's great news for writers because it means mechanical switch keyboards have become relatively cheap and easy to find. You don't have to custom order them from Europe anymore. So keep an eye out for gaming accessory sales, by the way, because you can actually find nice keyboards in promotions meant for gamers sometimes. There are a few things to be aware of with mechanical keyboards, though. They're much longer lasting than rubber membrane keyboards unless you spill coffee on the keys. I've actually spilled coffee on mechanical keyboards before, and I got lucky. My keyboard was fine, but I've been told that these keyboards are less resistant to liquids than the rubber membrane type are. Be aware, too, that gamers call MX Blue Switches clicky keyboards for a reason. They are a bit loud compared to rubber membrane keyboard. So when the writing gets good, my keyboard pretty much sounds like hail bouncing off of a skylight. I like the sound. I've also enjoyed the brand Razer, um, that's R-A-Z-E-R. I've enjoyed their, their switches, which are called green. Um, those feel a lot like Cherry MX Blue switches, but they require a bit less force with each key press. Anyway, they're a little percussive. The keyboard that I have is a little percussive. I mean, here, I'll let you hear it. So not the quietest thing in the world, right? If noise is an issue for you, you can just avoid the Cherry MX Blue switches and try another mechanical switch made by the same company. Cherry MX Brown switches are like nice and they have like a tactile feel. When you press the key down, it feels really good, but they don't have that loud clicking. They'll be a little louder than a normal keyboard, but not by much. Most of these companies that make gaming keyboards advertise the switches that they use in the keys right on the box. It'll say Cherry MX something or other most of the time, or it'll talk about the types of switches they use. So you can easily see what kind you're getting. Electronic stores that sell mechanical keyboards sometimes have like a few of the models set up so that you can just type on them to see what they feel like, and that's a good way to see what kinds of keys and switches you like. So. Next time you're looking for a keyboard, if you want one that's really, really long-lasting and also really comfortable and really accurate to type on, just pop over to the gaming section in an electronics store or go online and just search gaming keyboards because there are a lot of really, really good keyboards out there. And they don't all look ridiculous. Some of them do. Some of them look like badly designed spaceships. So as I said, I do write on a desktop computer, not a laptop, when I have to write on the computer. Writing on laptops has always cramped my neck and encouraged slouching. Months ago, I did switch to a standing desk to help correct my posture because even with a proper mouse and keyboard setup, my posture was terrible. 
I propped everything up. I raised it about three or four feet off the surface of the desk. I bought a yoga mat to put on the floor in front of it all. So I'm not standing on like a hard hardwood floor all day, you know. And I got a tall chair to perch on like a bird for those times when I'm tired of standing. I do recommend if you are toying with the thought of switching to a standing desk that you keep a chair or a tall stool around that you can fall back on. Let's talk quickly about writing software. I know this episode's getting a little long. For software, I like a full screen, distraction-free writing experience. This freeware program I've been using for years is called uh, WriteMonkey. R-W-R-I-T-E, of course, monkey. That one does the job for me. It's a Windows text editor that I've used for probably 10 years now. For long articles and lyrics and other complicated writing projects, I'll sometimes use Scrivener, which is a word processor that's meant specifically for writers that are working on complex projects. It's designed to store research and multiple drafts and pre-writing and just let you rearrange a piece's moving parts in a lot of ways. Another program that I use to write is called Scapple, S-C-A-P-P-L-E, which is a companion to Scrivener. It's like a digital whiteboard. It lets you type up just individual clusters of words and then drag them around the screen. It's, it's a bit like index cards or a bit like clustering on a big blank page. I think I found Scapple on sale two years ago for like $15. I wasn't sure if I was going to use this program at the time, but I've really, I'm still using it two years later, so I guess it was worth it, eh? I've kept a file in Scapel for a long time that's just got a bunch of my favorite words loaded into it. So I'll just type in words like lucid. I just like the word, the sound and the taste of like the word lucid. I think that's a nice word. Chandelier is a nice word. Apricot, I think is a really nice word big scalpel file where I just keep all of these words and sometimes I just let my eye kind of wander over it when I'm not sure where a lyric is supposed to go next, you know, and sometimes there will be something in there that triggers a thought and then I know how to move the song forward again. It's not something I do a lot, but that's one thing I found myself doing with scalpel. As I mentioned before in this podcast, computers can be a very distracting way to work. During the early stages of writing a song, especially when the idea is still taking shape and the song's direction is not always obvious, I'm especially distractible, so I tend to shut the phone in the closet and take a notebook to a quiet place where I don't know anybody so I can work. But once the song starts to come together, I do often move the song into the computer to get it organized, and so of course I can record that demo for reference. Then sometimes I end up printing the lyric out or copying it back out by hand again, so that I can take it off to a quiet place and work on it some more. So lyrics and songs of mine tend to go on and off of the computer. It tends to be in the notebook and then on the computer and then in the notebook again. Um, so I can take it around and work with it wherever I can focus and think the best. This little like back and forth between digital and analog songwriting does present a small obstacle, which is because drafts and alternate versions can end up spread across different notebooks spread across different pages, different computer files. So keeping drafts of song versions organized and easy to find is easy to solve though. I sometimes just write down the file paths in my notebook or sometimes I'll type the notebook page numbers into the computer files if I need to. Whenever I write a new version of a lyric or a demo, I stamp it with the date and the time. And if you put the date and the time on anything, you can just always tell which draft is the most recent. 
that is just a nice, very simple way of keeping your drafts straight, even if you have some on the computer and some in physical notebooks. Anyway, my fountain pen, my dot grid notebook, my note taker wallet, the mechanical keyboard, the fancy writing software, I think I covered everything. All of these things are not necessary, right? <laughs> um, but these are the way that I write. These are the quirks that I've stumbled into as a writer, and these work for me. Every little advantage in the tools helps. Anything that helps me overcome my resistance to writing just a little bit more helps, so I just use them. Those are my writing tools. They will likely change. I've recently gotten one of those reusable notebooks where you write with a certain type of erasable pen and then you can just scan the page and then you can just like wipe the page clean. It seems really cool. I'm not sure it's something that I'm going to be using. The pens are kind of expensive and they're disposable, which I'm not nuts about. But I'm going to experiment with that and I'll let you know how that goes. Anyway, whatever writing tools you use, um, have fun and enjoy finding them. Um, but be careful not to become so finicky about your methods that you end up spending more time obsessing over writing tools than you spend actually writing. Because procrastination is one of the biggest obstacles that writers of all kinds face. I found making my tools as alluring and as comfortable as possible helps me find the momentum day after day to just dive into writing even when I don't feel like it. Even with all of these tools, even after all of these years, I still, if I'm being honest, I almost never really look forward to getting started on a given day, which is crazy because this is something I've done for years, but I never really like start composing melodies or start writing a lyric thinking like, yay, this is going to be fun. A lot of the time it's kind of like, oh, I got to do this thing again, <laughs> but I keep coming back to it. So I'm crazy. What can we say? But if you want to go over to the website and drop a comment in the podcast uh, post about what you use to write, or if you have any questions about my writing tools that I didn't cover, feel free. If you enjoyed this episode, please come back again. There are more episodes to come.